0: Welcome to this podcast from the University Church. After many weeks of our online worship together, we're delighted to announce that as of next Sunday, the 5th of July, our public services will resume. There will be two services, one at 8:30 a.m. and one at 10:30 a.m. We'll need to book our tickets online due to limited capacity. The 8:30 a.m. service will have a much smaller capacity. So those of us who may feel apprehensive about larger gatherings, might feel more at ease at the 8.30. Either way, we really look forward to seeing you again back in our beautiful building. Let us pray. God, our Saviour, look on this wounded world in pity and in power. Hold us fast to your promises of peace, won for us by your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew Jesus said, Whoever welcomes you, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of the little ones in the name of a disciple. Truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Thanks be to God.
2: Now this is not a tall tale. Walking the dog in the park the other day, believe it or not, someone commented on how remarkably calm and well-behaved Fenton was. I said that I put it down to the recent months of lockdown. He'd had my company and undivided attention over recent weeks, so he's a happy little soul at the moment. I explained to the other walker that things might change from the 4th of July onwards and given that this is the day when cafes, pubs, and restaurants are due to open, you can understand what she said. Oh, are you in the hospitality business? The weather was rather hot that day, and dressed somewhat incongruously in shorts and a T-shirt, I explained that I was the vicar of the university church. She looked slightly taken aback, and partly to put her at her ease, I said, although thinking about it, hospitality business is probably a good description, of what I spend a lot of time doing. So as churches plan to reopen for public worship at roughly the same time as cafes, pubs and restaurants, it got me thinking about the ministry of hospitality. Our Gospel reading from Matthew is all about hospitality. Jesus addresses the 12 apostles, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. The passage comes at the end of a long section in chapter 10, which is often described as the missionary discourse. Jesus is sending his disciples out into the world to share the gospel, the good news. He knows that in embracing this ministry, his followers will encounter hardship and difficulty, suffering and rejection. And he offers words of consolation and encouragement. It's a bit of a teen talk. It's assumed that Matthew is describing the itinerant and peripatetic ministry of the missionaries of his own day. Constantly on the move, they rely on local Christian communities for hospitality. It's noticeable that Matthew is at pains to broaden the geographical scope of Jesus' proclamation of the good news at the beginning of his ministry. He goes well beyond Mark, drawing on Isaiah Matthew sets the ministry of Jesus in the context of Galilee of the Gentiles. Mark speaks of the reputation of Jesus extending across the surrounding region, while Matthew says the whole of Syria. According to Matthew, Jesus travels in areas associated with Gentiles as well as Jews. And of course, Matthew's gospel ends with the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now we sometimes feel a bit awkward about mission and evangelism at St. Mary's. Certainly since the decade of evangelism at the end of the last millennium, which does make it sound a long time ago, there was something of a sea change in the Church of England. It was partly reflected in a bit of institutional anxiety, as well as the greater dominance of evangelicalism a consequence of the great Billy Graham missions of the mid-twentieth century and the cultural hegemony of the United States, where evangelicalism has always been more dominant. In the 1990s, the Church of England adopted the Five Marks of Mission to focus its energies and activities. The Church was to tell, to teach, to tend, to transform and to treasure. These marks of mission have some important things to say about responding to human need by loving service, about transforming the unjust structures of society, about striving to safeguard the integrity of creation. And yet when I worked as a chaplain in a secular institution some years ago, as the Anglican chaplain to the University of Sheffield, I learned pretty quickly that the university authorities were often nervous about evangelism and proselytism, particularly when it was directed at people who were regarded as more vulnerable. One of the things that I learned then is that you can strive to tell, to teach, to tend, to transform and to treasure as much as you like. But the most important thing in exercising any kind of fruitful ministry is trust. And to cultivate trust before you can begin to tell or to teach, you need to listen. The uncomfortable truth is that many of our institutions, including the church, badly need to restore trust at the moment. When I was first ordained 25 years ago, at roughly the time the five marks of mission were formally adopted, we had to go to various briefings about the decade of evangelism. As we listened to a testosterone fueled address about mission and evangelism, one of the retired clergy leant over and whispered in my ear. He said rather plaintively, you know, one of the reasons I joined the Church of England is that I didn't like crowds. The saying perhaps signals the kind of shift that was taking place in the church's culture at the time. But just as there was sometimes a disconnect within the church, there was also a disconnect between church and society. For when the outside world listened in to some of our churchy discussions, the rhetoric sounded ever so slightly aggressive, even predatory. And given the challenges faced by the church over questions of trust and particularly over safeguarding in recent years, that kind of rhetoric has probably served to alienate as much as to attract. So perhaps we need to think more carefully about the way in which we speak about ministry and mission. Of course, in recent months, there have been no crowds. Our experience of worship, our experience of church has often been through the medium of a computer screen, a podcast, radio and television. There's been some important learning for all of us in this. And of course, many of us are yearning to be back in church on the 5th of July, when we will be able to gather to celebrate the Eucharist again. Notice that when we read this passage in the gospel today, it's easy to focus on those peripatetic missionaries, glamorously striding around the Mediterranean, carrying out the Great Commission. And it's easy to miss Two significant elements at the heart of this passage. The first is the acknowledgement that these missionaries are entirely dependent upon the ministry of hospitality and welcome provided by others. Hospitality matters. And to quote Bishop Tom Wright, it's perhaps no accident that when Jesus wanted to explain what his impending death was about, He didn't offer his followers a theory he didn't even give them a set of scriptural texts he gave them a meal when we gather together to celebrate the eucharist we will again be honored guests at christ's table love bade me welcome but my soul drew back guilty of dust and sin we do not presume to come to this thy table o merciful lord Perhaps God is in the hospitality business after all. Perhaps the hospitality we offer at St Mary's is an essential part of our mission and ministry. Secondly, Jesus uses this curious phrase at the end of the Gospel reading, whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones. It's easy to imagine that Jesus is sort of pointing at a small group of children playing in the distance when he says these words. But what does he mean when he talks about these little ones? Commentators seem to agree that this is a term that Jesus uses to describe his own disciples. If you think about it, you give a cup of water to someone thirsty after a hard day travelling. So the itinerant disciples were The little ones. They were by worldly standards of little account, fragile, sometimes feeble, often mystified, usually getting it all wrong. These are the people who are called precisely because they eschew power and manipulation. They are called not simply in spite of their humanity, but because of it. And Jesus calls these characters on the margins because he recognises in their precarious and makeshift lives the capacity to trust and to love. And if that is true of them, perhaps it is also true of us. And perhaps when we discover this truth, that discovery, will become the source of all our joy.
1: in the same way that we unite to welcome Christ's message let us come together and ask the father to hear and answer our prayers as we reflect on the welcome you extend to us as we approach you in prayer o lord we pray for all those who feel lonely isolated vulnerable and afraid especially after 3 months of lockdown we pray that we might be sensitive to their needs willing to act wise in our response and a visible sign of your presence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we reflect on the challenges our world and our country are facing. We pray for the political leaders worldwide, that they have the courage to think beyond their political interests to the needs of the wider populations. We sense that these challenges may also offer unexpected and unprecedented opportunities for change, and ask that you open their eyes, minds and hearts to follow these opportunities through to the benefit of all. We pray for those politicians and leaders who openly confess a faith in you, that you would enable them to speak truth to power in your name. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We bring the work of your church before you, Lord, both here at St. Mary the Virgin, Oxford, and more widely. As the Church of England, together with many other church denominations, explores appropriate ways of reopening their buildings, give clarity of thought to decision-makers, an openness of heart towards the views and opinions of colleagues, a willingness to learn from others, and the ability to discern the wise from the desirable. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, Lord, we pray for ourselves and those whom we know and who are in special need of your grace. In a moment of silence, we bring them to you. Let the vision of you as our way, our truth, our life, our feast, strength, joy, love and heart inspire us and motivate us so that as we go about our daily lives, those who have contact with us also come into contact with you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We end our prayers by saying the prayer that our Saviour taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever amen
0: the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing and the blessing of god almighty the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.